You're listening to the Ron and Don Show. And yes, my dad's pretty annoying. All right, look out now. Here we come. It's the Ron and Don Show. They heard your plea. Now you got three three episodes of the Ron and Don Show brought to you by our title sponsor, Les Schwab. Our thanks to them for the life of the tire. Everything's free at Les Schwab, not like the other guys. So you got to go and you buy those silly certificates, and then those certificates that you bought, they end up covering nothing. Les Schwab, they got you covered for the life of your tire. And really, they not only want to do business with you, but for your family and with your family generation. And that's what Les Schwab is all about. Doing the right thing, it matters. Doing the right thing since 1952, starting in a small town in Pineville, Oregon. And now here they are as we head into 2020 with 85 locations to serve you throughout Western Washington. And some big things coming up in the month of December is we make sure that every kiddo in Western Washington has a toy this holiday season. So more about that uh, coming up a little bit later. You know, as we head into the holidays, a lot of times Thanksgiving happens and we sit around and we eat and then we go out and we get our workout in and then we know that Christmas is coming, New Year's is coming. So then I don't know about you, we try to do a little bit of a better job maybe in the early months of uh, December because uh, we know the office Christmas party is coming and we know that grandma's cookies are coming and then we just know, we know it's going to get out of control a little bit. And so we start thinking about, you know what I'm going to do is even though I'm going through a drive, even though I'm going through a Burger King right now, instead of getting a Whopper, what I'm going to do is get the Impossible Whopper. I'm going to order the Impossible Whopper because when if I'm eating something that is plant-based – then it must be good for me. And we told you a couple episodes ago that there's a lot of people now that are consuming, especially plant-based burgers, uh, that don't consider themselves vegetarian or don't consider themselves vegans. They just want to eat a little bit better, and they feel like when they're going through a drive through and they're ordering a Whopper or an Impossible Whopper, that because it's not a meat product, that number one, they must be doing something better for the planet. And number two, they must be doing something better for themselves. And I will tell you this right now. Number one, you're not necessarily doing something better for the planet. And number two, when you're downing, it fry with, when you're downing that with fries and a milkshake anyway, you might as well go ahead and just have the meat burger because uh, there's not much of a difference. And just because you're eating something that doesn't have meat in it, Let's take French fries, for instance. French fries don't have it's meat a vegetable, in them, Don. but they're not, necess- vegetable. they're not necessarily good for you. Take that chocolate shake. doesn't have meat in it, not necessarily good for you. There's a lot of junk food out there that are vegan products, and the Impossible Whopper, in my mind, is kind of a junk food product anyway. A lot of people out there, though, are eating the Impossible Whopper. Companies like Burger King went out, and they said, you know what, we're going to try this plant-based meat uh, or non-meat in a couple different cities or see what happens. The Impossible Whopper is one of their biggest and best sellers right now. They're expanding it across all restaurants. And now there's a gentleman that has stepped forward and said, bop, 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 as my grandmother used to say, bop, 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 Donald, bop, bop, bop. Because evidently, he's saying the way that these Impossible Whoppers are prepared, it's impossible for these Whoppers to not be coated in meat product, right, Ron? Yeah, so his name is Philip Williams, and, and uh, you be the judge and jury on this. So Philip Williams, he's from Georgia. He is a practicing vegan, and so now he has sued Burger King because he's saying, okay, you led me to believe that as a vegan, I could come to Burger King and I, I wouldn't violate my personal way that I like to eat. And if you remember back in the day, McDonald's had to do this 
um, for some certain religious organizations where they used to use uh, beef tallow in their French fries. And that was one of the things that would just famously made their fries taste uh, delicious. But for, for someone that had dietary restrictions, they got sued. They ended up changing the way uh, they cooked their French fries worldwide because of that lawsuit. So this lawsuit, the Georgia man is saying, if you take and you put a bunch of Whoppers on the grill, beef Whoppers, and you got some 16-year-old in Georgia that's flipping these burgers back there, and then my order comes in for the plant-based Impossible Whopper, and he just takes the patty and throws it right down on the grill where you just cooked a regular Whopper, then all of that, that fat out of the burger is now going to go on to my plant-based burger, and so you lied to me. Uh, and uh, this has violated my vegan principles. And if you've ever known a vegan, this is very serious. They do not want to uh, have the food that they eat touch animal products. Uh, and I get that. Like if you said, I'm not eating animal products. And then the next thing you know is your kale salad is right up against the big thing of meatloaf. And it's like it sort of defeats the point uh, from their vantage point. So does Burger King need to install a never-been-touched-by-meat portion of their griddle or an additional griddle that is impossible burger only, uh, do they owe this man an apology? Do they owe him a refund? Do they need to buy new griddles for all the stores that you could never put a Whopper well, on? Well, he's saying one of the reasons the Impossible Burger tastes so so good is because it's being created on the same uh, meat crates uh, that the regular burgers are being flame broiled on, and as a result of that, that's why these things taste so amazing. It's not true. If, if I, I've bought these, I've prepared these at home, and they actually taste really. They good. They taste great. I've had yeah. them on yeah. griddles. Yeah. And they taste on really broilers. good. And they don't fall apart like bean burgers do. They have a consistency of a burger. And when you sit down, if you sir, if you had friends come over. And they didn't see these come out of the packaging. They didn't see you preparing these. And you sat down and just said, we're going to have burgers tonight. I don't think they would know the difference. Uh, my son has sat down and ate one of these, and he thought he was just eating a cheeseburger, and he was we eating one of these plant-based burgers. Do you burgers. think that, that, that Burger King's at fault here? Well, they I, misled this guy to I, think that it's I vegan? think what's going to be interesting to your point is, will there be more pushback around the world? Because they say that this particular product launch, uh, that they weren't ready for this, that they didn't understand the way that people were going to react and respond to it. And now in 2,500 stores throughout 25 different countries, they're going to be coming at people with the Impossible Burger. And for somebody out there that's a vegan and they feel that it's very, very important that meat product, that that particular meat product, that meat juice, everything else on the same – I can, I can see where he's coming from. I, I can see his point. I think if it does continue, though, you said it's not going to be – right now it's not necessarily good for the planet. It could be because you look at the, the what's happened to milk and the milk industry. All of these uh, milk alternatives like almond milk and soy milk and all of these other uh, uh, beverages that have, have taken over, like I think 16% of uh, people are now using them. That number is even higher among millennials and younger. And so the dairy industry has had to adjust. By making cheese. That's making, why we have so much cheese. Yes, there's an overflow of cheese. Yeah. But they, they're they most likely, if that trend continues, going to have to scale back the number of cows uh, that are producing milk. And so that would lead to a better planet for methane gas everything else. So if that same thing's happened for beef production, if you see beef production decline, 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 and you see plant-based stuff go up and up and up, it will 
have a net positive for the environment because you would have less methane gas, you would have a diminishment of that industry. Uh, and I'm not rooting for that one way or the other. I'm just saying that I think it could if this trend continues. I just think it have to be careful. I saw a friend of mine who was just at one of the Disney parks, I think down in Florida, and he was showing pictures of a plant-based hot dog that he was eating and i'm like wow corporate america is really jumping on on board here and the only reason they're jumping on board is because there's an opportunity here to make money when there's an opportunity to make money i hope there's an opportunity to, to educate people and and this impossible burger in the way that it's being prepared and served up at burger king it's just another form of junk food it's not necessarily better for you, you know what than, though than, than than the meat patty that you're uh, that you're eating i'm gonna find an interview the, the guy that is uh it's either beyond beyond foods or impossible foods he's a he's an interesting dude i heard a, an hour-long interview with him he is genius level guy uh he could make money in any way that he wanted he's very sought after uh and he lives in california very sought after among startups he chose this for altruistic reasons and for purpose reasons, he's selling, not just to make he, money. He's he he can make money a lot easier. He's selling these to Burger King and to Disney for altruistic reasons, no, not he, to make money? He wants to make money, okay. but the mission of the company is to change the world, to change the way people eat he did. and to change it's, the world. It's the number one and, seller at Burger King. Yeah, right so it, it's it, and, money's and, the byproduct. And, and Disney. His mission and in, in his education is like, if I just want to make money, I can make more money, believe me, uh, doing other stuff with big tech i don't think he could right now i don't think he could well he's the grown impo- this thing the impossible burger is out of control right now it is out, but i'll give you the final word Do i think that uh, burger king is going to have to install a vegan only grill in every single restaurant well after then, this lawsuit and then you're probably will. asking another fast food to do that because when everyone sees the the reaction to the impossible Whopper, then we're going to see sense. the gonna, impossible McMack and if, everything. If it's else not too. a huge ass, then have it cooked on a, on a griddle that's never seen meat. Well, all right. Hey, uh, don't forget if you want to reach out to us, you can find us on Facebook. You can also write us. He's Ron Upshaw at Windermere.com. I'm Don O'Neill at Windermere.com. We do something called the Ron and Don Sit Down as we head into 2020. Let's talk about your real estate journey. And it doesn't matter where you live, if you're within the sound of our voice, if we can't get to you, we know one of the great Windermere agents that can okay but if you're in the puget sound region region we would love to sit down and to work with you all starts with a cup of coffee whether you're thinking about buying selling or maybe you're thinking about investing you're a first-time home buyer maybe you're thinking about becoming a landlord for the first time and that's running a business and you're freaked out about that a little bit or maybe starting an airbnb right because you have a little room or you have one of those little cottages or an adu or mother-in-law whatever let's talk about it all starts with a cup of coffee or run it on sit down Reach out to us, ronanddon.com. You'll see our email addresses, and then uh, we'll sit down maybe on a Friday, a Saturday. Or if you're working during the week, maybe we can do it on a Sunday afternoon. All right? Uh, the Ron and Don Show, all brought to you by our great friends at Les Schwab. Les Schwab, let's say it together, doing the right thing. You know it matters, and we will see you in about 30 seconds. Ron and Don. Ron and Don. Ron and Don. On the... Ron and Don Radio Network, man. Okay, how much do I have to pay you for this? <laughs> One dollar. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Brett Clark is here. Uh, we have a great partnership with Les Schwab, and doing the right thing really does matter as we head into the holidays. Brett, you and I were just talking off mic a little bit. Uh, Les Schwab now has their own tire line, and your wife and I, we both have these on our trucks or cars 
what is the tire line? Because I know you're a tire salesman, but we were just, again, talking about this, and you're like, man, even if I wasn't a tire salesman, these might be the greatest tires ever, uh, thanks to Les Schwab. Yeah, absolutely. The, the, our, it's our own brand, um, and that tire brand is called Mazama. We have them in two, two different uh, uh, styles. We have them in the passenger car tire, which is the reputation. You have them in the uh, light truck tire, which is the open range. And these th- these tires have been absolutely phenomenal tires. Like I was like I was bragging uh, just a minute ago. I didn't. Uh, I, I typically uh, I sell tires, obviously, um, and I drive on a lot of them. And and when I put these reputations on my wife's vehicle, they are just absolutely the most amazing tires. I I was just telling you that uh, that typically I put snow tires on in the winter, but uh, I think this year we're just going to try to run the reputations all the way through, just because it's been a great great driving tire. And, and uh, you know we got we got a set stuck on your on your truck and and uh, you know hopefully they're they're doing well for you because um, we've had nothing but great reviews about this changes in performance used to be with my old tires because I have a rear wheel drive Forerunner I would have to put it in four high with the other tires on mm-hmm. it slide around and not with these uh, new tires they really are fantastic how can people uh, uh, find out more about these. Uh, these new Les Schwab tires. Well, of course, we want you to stop into our Les Schwab tire centers. We've got 85 Western Washington locations, or you can go to leschwab.com and we'll have a we'll have a bunch of information for you on that as well. Leschwab.com, 85 locations to serve you. Les Schwab. Let's say it together. Doing the right thing, it matters. All right, so Ron and Don show only on the Ron and Don Radio Network. Everything at ronanddon.com. So I saw this story in the uh, Chicago Tribune, and it really got me thinking, and I wanted to ask you about it. I don't think you've read it. Uh, you're a parent. You have a, a child in school. and there... I have a child in the back. Yeah, you do have a child in the back. Dropping a deuce. So, hey now. So there is a, um, a thing in every state, except for 19 states, schools are allowed to have a thing called a quiet room. And the quiet room, from what I've read, and this the, the, the story is headquartered in Illinois, but I went and checked. Washington State does allow quiet rooms. So usually the quiet room is used if there is a, a child in a school that has an outburst, that uh, does something violent towards another kid, is out of control in some way. The teacher can take that child, put them in the quiet room, typically... Uh, it is sort of has some soft services in there. There's not a lot in the quiet room. They shut the door and they're alone in there. And they, an adult typically stands on the outside of the room, is not supposed to interact with the child. They write down and timestamp what is happening. So if the kid is crying, they write it down. If the kid uh, is, is saying something, they write it down. Then so they write down a, a timeline of what's going on. And then at a certain time, they will let the child back out and, and then they can inter- interact with them. And so they did ProPublica and the Chicago Tribune teamed up and they looked at all of these transcripts for 20,000 child trips to the quiet room. And so what they found is that they, they, they insinuate that there's a lot of abuse going on. So sometimes teachers have a difficult student that they just don't get along with, and they're using the quiet room to give themselves a break. And so it's just like, I cannot deal with this kid today. 
you're going to the quiet room. So they send them to the quiet room. Other times, they have uh, documented. At my school, they just called it the Don O'Neill room. Right. Yeah. Well, you're, you're back to your room today. Okay, thank you. At other times, they've documented that a teacher called it solitary. Yeah. They sent a child, a student, to solitary, which you're not supposed to label it that. And so they go through and they, they talk about a lot of different, uh, um, what they say are abuses of the system. And then they have some heart-wrenching stories of kids as young is third or fourth grade that uh, this one comes from a fresh start uh, center where the kid is yelling, please someone respond to me. I'm sorry I ripped the paper. I overreacted. Please just let me out. Is there anyone out there? This kid was getting hysterical. They were separated. They were alone for ripping a piece of paper and they couldn't get out. The door was locked from the outside. Couldn't get out. Another time at an elementary school, please, please, please open the door. Please, I'll be good. Open the door. I promise I'll be quiet. And so they have a bunch of different things here. And so they sort of leave it up to the reader, but they point out, like, is there a better way to do this? 19 states, Washington is not one of them, have basically outlawed this, taken those quiet rooms. In one example, they said they took the door off. They put a lot of soft surface in. They put like a, a plush chair, like a lava lamp, and the kids are allowed to go in there when they need to. So it's self-diagnosed. If you're feeling out of control, if you're feeling overwhelmed, if you're feeling like you want to rip the paper or punch your friend, go in that room. Look at the lava lamp, sit down. They have some weighted toys, like these therapeutic toys that are heavier than normal toys. Hang out in there, chill out, find your space, and then you come out when you're ready. Um, do you, I had not, not thought of this. Do you think that they should outlaw the quiet room? Or you know, is there I, a reason I, for this? I, I think this really is a school-to-school issue. And, and like at my son's school, I'm really lucky because the parents are an army and they show up as an army. And it doesn't matter whether there's an assembly during the day uh, and the kids are singing or playing music, whatever it is, the parents show up in force. Uh, at, when I drop my son off before school, moms and dads are, are there in force. When I look around, I see a lot of wedding rings, a lot of people that are married, that are partners, that have families, partnerships. And I know just from the schools that I grew up in, it's not always that way. Uh, sometimes you live in a blue collar community where parents are working right? and they can't take time off during the day to come to an assembly or the school bus is dropping their child off and picking their child up and they might have three different children going to two different schools, whatever it is. And you're just worrying about making sure that they have gloves today and that they have a lunch today and who's going to what, you're trying to figure all those things out. And I think for teachers, I think what gets really difficult, because in, in a lot of our classrooms, we're asking teachers, even Seattle Public Schools, to facilitate uh, learning in a third or fourth or fifth grade class for 31 kids, for 31 children. If you don't have an administration and you don't have parents that are coming around and volunteering lots of time in that classroom, that beca- that can become very taxing for that teacher. So if I'm hearing you right, you're saying not a, each school should be allowed to decide Well, there'd be a lot of schools have- that can't even afford a quiet room, that c- couldn't even afford to create a space like that. So it, it you, would, you, you would be in la-la land thinking that there would be schools out there that would even have that kind of space to create that kind of room or that kind of room or to do that kind of budget. So I think in turn, I, 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 I think trying to provide a place that's not punitive where kids can cool off i see that this started in a good place but you can also see when you leave a child in there 
uh, and you're not meeting a child in that moment where they're at. Uh, because a lot of times when a child is in crisis, it's different if you and I are in crisis. Maybe we need some time to cool off and we need to go sit in a room. Uh, for a lot of children, when they are Being in crisis, makes it worse. Yeah, they don't need to go sit in a room to be alone. They need someone there to listen and well, to help them process, your under, point, understand, and to find help for them. So your point, you almost need another person to come in that's not the teacher in, in, uh, in head of the 31 kids to diagnose this. Say this kid's acting up or ripping paper or hitting their classmate or... And who's going to pay who's gonna, in know, a public that's what school? I'm saying. Who's going to pay that's for that? That's what I'm that? saying. I'm yeah. trying to have a fair... Like my instinct is to say that this should not be a thing. If you have a seven-year-old, an eight-year-old kid putting them in a room by themselves after some sort of incident has happened seems well in, a, in an ideal seems better to sit down with that kid and go what is going on yeah, with you in an ideal world you should be able to call a parent have a parent come in and say hey can you sit down with your child and let's figure things out because this happened in class and that's not okay and then you approach it as as and then the, the parent has a shot to be a part of this team and helping to correct the behavior but again a lot of times uh, in many schools, that's just not going to happen. There are there there are parents out there or single parents out there to like wow. Like for my mom, she's taking care of four kids. She wouldn't have time <laughs> to take time out during the day. Because, the quiet room was the shed. Yeah, my brother and I are back in the quiet room uh, again, and there's issues and there's there are problems. I so. guess I just anticipated that uh, that wash when I said that, when I read that 19 states have outlawed this or, or removed it from the school system. I was like, oh, I bet. I bet Washington's one of those since it's such a progressive state. And I looked it up and it's like, nope, there's all these rules on when you can put a kid, uh, when you can even bind a kid, restrain a kid. And then there's rules on when you can put them in the quiet room when you can't. Uh, and so I looked at that and I was like, wow. So in a public school, if uh, you know a, a child hits another child, they can be restrained, and then basically it yeah. sounds like solitary confinement to me. Yeah, and here's where we're not opening the door when they plead. And here's where we have to have problems with, or th- here's where we have to address screens. And right now we are sitting somewhere and we're we're putting the show together. And my son is sitting on a screen over at your house. He's playing on an Xbox. But what did he tell you when he walked in about his Xbox? His so Xbox he doesn't have one. He doesn't have one. There's a reason he doesn't have an Xbox at home. And it's because during the week... So you're saying I'm corrupting your child? Yeah. Well, you know what? It's it's a special time over here, and we're at Mr. Ron, so he's playing the Xbox, and we're recording the Ron and Don show. But during the week, we don't use screens. We have gotten off screens during the week. If, if you are parenting your child and using a screen to do that, well, when they go to school, they don't have the social skills then to communicate with other students about when they're mad or they're angry or they're upset. They don't have those social skills to communicate that to another parent or to a teacher or to a coach. And that's why it's so important that we these screens out there are hijacking our kids' brains. We have to get them off these screens. We have to be very careful about not giving them phones too early. Uh, in fact, I was talking to my counselor today, and she said, I have people that are coming to see me now that are 20, 21, 22 years old. And she said they are completely addicted to that phone. In the same way that people are addicted to drugs and alcohol, they are addicted to that phone. They are addicted to the screen on that phone. And they come in here, and they're going through therapy right now, cognitive therapy, trying to figure out how they disconnect from that phone. So your kids get addicted to that phone at a young age. It means they're not going to have the social skills, and they'll probably end up in a room like that too at some point, figuratively, mentally, or physically. He's Ron. I'm Don. And we are so thankful that you're listening to the Ron and Don Show today. Don't forget you can find everything at ronanddon.com. We will see you in about one minute. Yeah. Why wouldn't 
help cops help kids. Go to ronandon.com right now and buy a t-shirt. And $5 from every t-shirt sale will help kids like me. It's called Charlie's Dinosaur. Well, hey, you guys, here we go into the winter driving months here in the great Pacific Northwest, as my son used to uh, say. You know what I did last fall is I stopped by Les Schwab Tire Center and I said, could you put the new Mazama open range tires on my 4Runner? And I'm telling you, Ron, when they put those tires on, it was a game changer when it came to control, when it came to gas mileage, and when I would put my truck in four-wheel drive, sometimes with the other tires it would slip, not with the Mazama open range tires. And don't forget, you have a 60-day ride guarantee. So if you get to the 59th day and you don't like those tires, take them back to Les Schwab and they'll just replace them for you. Yeah, not just a 60-day guarantee, 60,000-mile warranty on these tires. So go to LesSchwab.com. You can find the store nearest you. Head on in there. If you need some traction, you're concerned about winter driving, you're going to go snowboarding, skiing, or going over the passes this winter, this is what you need to do. Yeah, and if you're in a passenger vehicle, which a lot of you are as you're listening to the Ronadon podcast, you can choose the Mazama reputation tires those are great too that's all season traction they are quiet they are comfortable and you get that 70,000 mile warranty so what are you waiting for visit lesschwab.com that's lesschwab.com for more information about these amazing tires and i can't endorse them enough les schwab let's say it together doing the right thing you know it matters Oh, don't forget it's uh, the Ron and Don sit-down. We are licensed agents. Agent O'Neill, Agent Upshaw. Not with the federal BI. But we wear cool agent glasses. And we do talk into our wrist, even though there's no microphone. Yeah. We'd love to sit down with you. It's called the Ron and Don sit-down. And uh, we have a cup of coffee. We sit down. We talk with you. We find out where you are on your real estate journey. And we also explore maybe how we can help as we head into 2020. A lot of you have some big plans. We've been sitting down with a lot of people, and we would love to have an opportunity to sit down with you. To do it, yeah, it doesn't cost anything. All you have to do is reach out. Don O'Neill at Windermere.com, Ron Upshaw at Windermere.com, and then uh, we'll all get in a room together, and we will take the door off. It will not be a quiet room. It will be a room where we talk. It's a padded room, and we will all sit there and cry. So I wanted to ask you this, because we're in December. Uh, and I, I've known you since second grade, and so I, I feel like I have a pretty good sample size uh, on on what I'm about to ask you. You are one of the few people I know that you you don't fall into the resolution trap uh, at the end of the year uh, when everyone else starts making these resolutions and then they go gangbusters for two weeks and then fall on their face for whatever reason. Um, and this has been the the same way when we were kids when we were in our twenties, thirties, forties. You don't make a resolution, but when you decide to do something, you just do it. And I'm curious if you can talk about that because I'm probably more like the average person where it's like, I even thought about this when it, when the calendar struck December, I'm like, oh, maybe I should re up that, uh, you know, that gym thing that I did where it was an app and I could go to the thing and do the deal. And it's like, dude, you did that last year. You did it for a couple months and then you stopped doing it. Why don't you do more like Don and just, I, I don't know how, is there a formula or a way that you do it? Because 
you seem to be that rare person that's just like, I don't need a resolution. I don't need it to be January. For me, if I want to make a change, I'm going to make a change. And it appears like you just do it. And I'm curious how you do that, if there's a method to the madness. Well, you know, it's interesting because in January, it'll be a year when a change was kind of decided for us. We had our terrestrial radio jobs, and it was decided. In fact, you can go back and listen to episode one. Uh, it was decided that we wouldn't be working in our terrestrial radio jobs anymore. Our contracts had come to an end. They weren't renewed. Our ratings were great. And so we had to sit there for a moment and uh, grieve that. And we had to figure that out. And then it's like, okay, I'm 52 years old now. And I need to go out and figure out my why and recreate myself and, and, and relaunch my life and relaunch my career. And in doing so... And in doing so, what I have always tried to do is to place myself in a position around people that are much smarter than me. So, for instance, when I decided to climb Mount Rainier, I went to the greatest guys uh, that there are, the two greatest guys, and that's Lou Whitaker and his brother Jim. And Jim is the first mountaineer to ever climb, uh, to ever climb. Uh, I think he's climbed all, I think he's climbed all, all the 8,000 peaks. I think he's done it all along with Ed Vesters, but he was the first American to do it. And these guys have an organization called RMI. They hire the best climbers in the world. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go train with them, and I'm going to climb with RMI because they are the very best. So I would go out on these training runs, and I would go out and we would do these ropes courses, and I would be the worst person. I would be the worst person on the mountain. I would be the worst person there when it came to training, and I would just get my her handed to them. Uh, handed to myself. And as a result of that, I think that's why when we went to do the climb, I had the confidence to not only do the climb, but to finish the climb and to summit, because not only was I doing it with the greatest uh, mountaineers in the world, but I had trained with them. Same thing with real estate. Uh, There were lots of different companies out there that we could go and connect with. But when it comes to really a full service, a full service company, that is doing incredible things when it comes to homelessness in our community. And it also comes to, they, they do an incredible job of providing homes for people and relocating people and making sure that their real estate dreams are coming true. Uh, in this community, it's Windermere. You go yard to yard and the yard arms that you see, the for sale signs that you see, it's Windermere. And then we have an opportunity to sit down, and I'm not saying this just because this is a company we're working for, but when you sit down with these agents, uh, <laughs> They know so much. They know so much, and you learn so much, and you glean so much just by being around them. When I decided that I was going to try cycling, I didn't just jump into cycling. I, I made sure that I got with uh, one of the greatest cyclists in Washington State history. His name is Gary Verrill. He's a ram rider. He has raced his bike across America, and I'm like, you know what? I want to hang out with Gary and I want to become the best cyclist that I can be. I've never, uh, I, I, I'm certainly not the type of cyclist that Gary is, uh, but I've done my very best. I just got done uh, completing 20 years of teaching spin class. I surrounded myself at Studio 360 down so, in so Phoenix, I, Arizona with, with, with the very uh, best instructors uh, that, that, uh, that money can buy. So what if someone's hearing this and they're like, well, I, I can't do that. Like, I don't have that. Don has special access because he's, high profile. I just want to lose 20 pounds or I just want to get in, in better shape. I, I can't go out and, and hire Mr. Universe to be my personal coach. I don't, I don't think losing 20 pounds should ever be a goal. I think that's a really crappy goal because when you lose the 20, uh, then what do you do when you gain two back? I think what you have to do is figure out a lifestyle of movement 
And whatever a lifestyle of movement is for you, then the pounds, the weight, the diet, all that stuff is going to take care of itself. Because if you're living a lifestyle of movement and you decide, and one of the best things you can do is a vigorous walk. It's not going to a gym and lifting big weights if you want to live a life of longevity. It's getting up and also getting up with your partner or getting up with your tribe or meeting somewhere and going on a nice vigorous walk. If that includes some stairs, that's awesome. Going out and getting a dog. Getting a dog is one of the greatest things that you can do for yourself, not only for your self-esteem, not only for your family, but that dog is up in the morning, which means you're going to be up in the morning, which means you're going to go for a walk with that dog, or it means you're going to go for a run through the woods, whatever it is. And, and so I think getting a dog and being the best dog owner that you can be, that my son and I have done that this year, we've gone on that journey, that's one, been one of the best things that we could do as a family. And as a result of that, uh, running with Charlie, when I run with him six miles in the evening, it keeps me in pretty good shape. And then I don't have to worry about whether I have that 20 pounds. So on is, it a, is it a switch for you where you just go, I'm going to do X? You know what? So, and you just decide and then you never, you don't have moments of weakness where you're like, you fall off the wagon? No, of course you have all that. But you, but if you don't surround yourself, surround, like, like I... I, I, I have uh, a number of investment properties, and you know the team of people that I have around me and the partners that I have around me. They are the very best at what they do, the very best. And I get in there with them, and I'm just trying to hang on, and I'm trying to be a contributor. If you're the smartest person in the room in everything that you do, in everything that you do, it probably means you're not that smart. And the reason you're not that smart is because you're not placing yourself in situations where you feel challenged. So I would tell people as you're thinking about heading into 2020, what are some of the things that I could do to better challenge myself to put myself in a position where I am around the very be- some of the very best people at whatever it is I'm interested in? Because people are willing to mentor you if you're curious and if you ask good questions. And if you're just willing to give something so to yourself. So don't do resolutions. What's that? Don't resolve anything. Make a decision. I don't want to tell people what to do because if a resolution is something that sparks you, then I think that that's great. Whatever sparks you and gets you going. But in the end, you know, if you decide, if the resolution is to lose 20 pounds, then surround yourself with people that are losing 40 and 50 pounds. So when you're losing 20 pounds, it doesn't seem so ominous. And then you're just, you're looking around. Like, if you've ever gone to a CrossFit gym one time, you think those people are crazy. You walk away and you go, you know what? That is a freaking cult. Those people are nuts. That is it. Those are a bunch of nut jobs in there. But join a CrossFit gym for the next 30 days, 45 days, 60 days. And don't worry about whether you're going to lose weight. Just show up. Just show up and be around and surround surround yourself with a tribe of people that get together that work out each and every day. The 20, 30, 40 pounds, whatever it is, will take care of itself. And you will find out that you could be a CrossFitter too. That maybe you are a little nuts too. As we talked about before, everybody's crazy. Just find the people that have the same kind of crazy. That's good. I mean, I I, I respect you immensely for that. You're very uh, unusual, I think, in that regard. So good job. Well, thanks for that. I appreciate that. Hey, we appreciate you stopping by the uh, Ron and Don Show. Thank you so much for listening. And we really want people to subscribe. And we appreciate everybody going out there. 
and just giving us great reviews and also Les Schwab great reviews and Absolutely. Windermere great reviews. Yeah, you can find us at ronadon.com, also on uh, like iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, all the big ones, anchor.fm. You can find us, you can review us, you can give us a star rating. That really helps. Ronadon merchandise available, still $5 uh, for every Ronadon Nation t-shirt is going to Charlie's Dinosaur. You can buy the dog bandanas and make great Christmas gifts, yeah. Hanukkah gifts, Shotgun gifts, whatever you got. All right, very good. You've been traveling a lot. What's uh, one podcast besides ours uh, that you love right now that you're listening oh, to? Oh, the, tr- the pod- Akimbo. Yeah. Seth Godin has a, a new podcast. Not, it's, it's been out for a while, but Akimbo, he takes a really interesting idea and he just expounds on it for about 10 minutes. Yeah. They're, they're short. Okay. They're insightful. They get you to think. Kimbo. Akimbo. Akimbo. A-K-I-M-B-O. I'll check it out. All right. Uh, Dolly Parton's America. Good. Nine episodes. Uh, and she has interviewed in Dolly Parton's America. She's been on stage now for 56 years. I love me some Dolly. And they say that 80% of the people used to love her used to be 55 years of age or older. And now it's completely flipped. Where 80% of the people that love her are 55 years or younger. And there's a lot of millennials out there uh, that have fallen in love with Dolly Parton. And they kind of dig in and they find out why. And also, her relationship with Porter Wagner back in the was, day. was pretty un, un, uh, unbelievable. She talks about it Did in, they Dolly, talk about in it? Dolly Parton's America. Her yeah. connecting with uh, Washington's own Brandy Carlisle. They seem to have a, a, a You know, I don't know because I'm, I'm just my, I'm in my fourth episode right now. Nice. And, there's, and there's nine episodes all together, but I think they've only released six so far. So, uh, so maybe that'll come up. I see that Brandy Carlisle is I think it's she's at the gorge with Show Crow this year. That would be a good show. How about that? All right. Anyway, uh, keep your head up, your shoulders back. I think I already reminded you of that. And uh, we'll see you real soon. It's the Ron and Don Show, only on the Ron and Don Radio Network. Ron and Don are licensed real estate brokers with Windermere Midtown. Are you ready to buy or sell a home? Yeah, call my dad or his best friend, Ron. You should see them at an open house. They're hilarious.